the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey. Hey. How are you? I'm just great. Just great, huh? Just great. It's Saturday, Dad. You don't look great. And it's, but it's spring break for me. This this coming week. So it's it's a good day. We made it through the week. And you're 18 now. And I, I am 18 Happy now. Happy birthday. That's kind of scary. It means I'm no, old. You know I can go to jail now, right? <laughs> it means I can legally probably shoot you and nobody will prosecute what? me for child abuse. <laughs> That's a little more than child abuse. <laughs> We're not going to get into that. D-Heck doesn't bother. DSS doesn't show up for that stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. What you got planned for your birthday? Absolutely nothing. Birthdays are kind of boring now. Oh, just another year older. Pretty much. And deeper in debt. Pretty much. Okay. Cool. You know. But it's not like I'm going anywhere once I graduate. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's a huge step or anything. <laughs> uh, you know, it is a huge step. Uh, you but know, it, it's like I have like a, mu- a little over a month till I graduate. I know. That's scary, Dad. It's very scary. It's terrifying <laughs> to a lot of people. Oh, whoa! <laughs> All right, to you maybe, but to the, a lot of people take it a little far. Anyway, um, enough of us. Welcome. <laughs> Good Saturday afternoon to you. Um, yeah, busy week. Get uh, gonna go do a little shooting at uh, Clinton House, and that'll be fun. And uh, the rest of this, this show, we're going to talk about turkeys. Yeah. Daryl Stubbs, Stubbs Game Calls out of the Low Country, is going to be on with us talking about turkeys. We're going to it will run the whole show, the rest of the show with that. So can't waste a whole lot of time because it's going to be busy, and we've got a calendar events here we need to talk about. So uh, thanks to our calendar event sponsor, uh, Capital City Lake. Oh, Capital City Lake Murray Country. Yeah, I almost said the whole thing. Oh, okay. Capital City Lake Murray Country. <laughs> it is the whole thing. Um. And, and speaking of Capital City Lake Murray Country, they have an event uh, every year. They shoot off fireworks from two locations: Spence Island mm-hmm. and Drew Island. No, it's not Billy. It's, they don't shoot them off from Drew Island, do they? Yeah, they do. Is it Drew and Spence Island? Yeah. I thought it was another island. No, I think it's Drew. Because you view it from Drew. Oh, I thought it was shot off at Drew. I thought so too. I've been checking it oh, out. Oh well. Anyway, every year they do it. It's it's one, it's probably one of the biggest fireworks displays in South Carolina. You can watch it from the lake. You can watch it from points around the lake. Uh, it, it, it costs a lot of money, and they have a fundraiser every year called the Taste of Lake Murray 2022 this year's edition. And it's Thursday, March the 31st at six o'clock. Tickets are a hundred dollars, and it's a pretty cool event. Uh, it is the fundraiser for the annual Fourth of July celebration. It's at the Double Tree by Hilton on Busher Road near I twenty. And what it is is it's it's food. Mm. It's food, yeah. Uh Alodia's 
Cucina Italiano, Bistro on the Boulevard, Blue Marlin. I've eaten there a bunch. Chapin Chop House. Um, Doke Smoke Barbecue. Doko Smoke Barbecue. I've had their stuff. Ninth Wonder Cuisine. Hollow Creek Distillery, Highway 378, Bar and Grill, O'Hara's Bakery Cafe, O'Hara's Public House, House, RF's Corner Grill, and they got food trucks, RF Food Trucks, and Moe's Southwest Grill. They're going to be there, and you go eat. You I sample want a bunch of now. Oh no, uh, you go eat. You sample everything. They've got some bands, the Finesse Band, Cody Webb, and Spencer Rush. And uh, you go there, you eat, you have a good time, and it supports and funds the fireworks display at Lake Murray every year. Mm-hmm. So it's called a Taste of Lake Murray. You can go on to uh, uh, visit Capital City Lake Murray Country official tourism guide, which is LakeMurrayCountry.com. And get more information. Okay. Hope you'll take advantage of it. So this one's a little different. Verdon's Farm and Garden Supply is having a fish day with Southland Fisheries. Yep, which was over at Nichols Store not too long ago. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's why it's familiar. Oh, okay. So they're having a thing where you can order fish. For your pond. Don't you remember the mosquito fish I talked about? I do. About? Yeah. And okay. I, I think this is kind of weird, but yep. I mean, I've got grass carp, mosquito fish, tentacle catfish, copper nose bluegill, yep. shellcracker, everything. And they're asking you to please pre order your fish at least five, <laughs> <laughs> something I never say. Yeah. At least five business days ahead of schedule fish day. What's fish day? March ha- the what? Oh, March the. I know what's on there. Um, March 30th. March 30th. There we go. (laughs) Like by the 24th or something? Yep. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Uh, Tucker Hips. Uh, If you remember Tucker Hips, uh, was it Clemson? And they have a Tucker Hips Foundation now. It's uh, Help People Help Others. And they're having a... First annual Tucker Hips Memorial Fishing Tournament. The the proceeds of the tournament to take place on April 2nd. Um, Palmetto Boys State and Outdoor Dream Foundation. Proceeds from this event will benefit the Tucker Hips Memorial Foundation and those two events. Um, And it's on Lake Hartwell. You can become a sponsor in any way. You can fish it. You need to go to, uh, uh-oh, I can't read that. <laughs> Sad. But anyway, uh, cindyhips at att.net is who you need to talk. That's Tucker's, that's, uh, uh, Tucker's mom. She's organizing this. And uh be a good event to fish, and especially that time of the year, mm-hmm. first weekend in April. And uh, for a great cause, the, all three of those are good causes. So, there, there are sponsorship opportunities for you and uh, opportunities to fish it. Okay. Yours? First annual Upstate Equipment Reduction Auction and Consignment event is going to be coming to Camp Creek Road and Taylor's. And they're asking you to bring all sorts of equipment you want to sell. And that's going to be Saturday, April 9th. Um, you can contact Mike Ulmer or Doug Suddeth. So Mike's number is 843-599-9799. And Doug Suddeth is the upstate number, 864-380-2919. And, again, that's on Saturday, April 9th. 
Again, on Saturday, April 9th, you don't have any uh, farm equipment you want to get rid of. You mm-hmm. can uh, get out to Bamberg County on the Edisto River and do a canoe, canoe kayak paddle trip. Uh, they're going to paddle from Zigzag Landing to Fred, smoke on the water. It's a six-mile paddle. Yeah. You meet at 830, uh, down to the River to Pray, devotional. Uh, 9 a.m., be ready to shuttle. And uh, you need to bring your boat and gear, life jacket, whistle required by law, um, you can rent a boat and gear, but you need to contact the Coke Kayak Company, and there are overnight accommodations available. Uh, shuttle service will be provided. Uh, donation, donations will be accepted. They recommend $10. And uh, camping cabins available at Edister River Birdhouse Refuge, Barnwell State Park, and uh, the, Bam- the Bamberg County Monthly Paddle Trips are sponsored by the First Baptist Church in Denmark. There you go. And smoke on the water is going to be where you, you know, where you meet up. And, of course, you can eat there, too. So, anyway, that'd be a good one. <laughs> Greer CPW and the Greer Centennial Lions Club is putting on a bass tournament on Lake Robinson on April 9th. Also on April 9th. Yes. Uh, the schedule, you're going to get there at 545 in the morning. And then the pre-tournament meetings are going to be at 645, blast off at 705, and weigh-in is at 3. Um, boats cannot exceed 18 feet, um, and it can't be over 10 horsepower, and it's a $100 fee per boat, and $1,000 for big fish. And it's only 45 boats allowed this year. Really? So if you're not already in it, you uh, better hurry <laughs> up. Get on the horse. <clears throat> better get on your horse. Hey, we're not getting this, but Bass Pro Shops is celebrating their 50th anniversary Wow! with a five-day event up at Springfield. Maybe I'll get to this next week. We're going to do the, the Bassmaster Classic wrap-up next week. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's turkey time. So, y'all hang in. We're going to talk to Daryl Stubbs about turkey hunting, turkey calls, future of the turkey. Just call it turkey. It's turkey day. All right, y'all hang on. More Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. Welcome back into Woods and Water, South Carolina. How you doing there, Taylor? I'm doing great. Are you? It's a, it's a day. <laughs> it's a day. <laughs> they all can be a day. Uh, but anyway, it'll get better. We'll make you smile. <laughs> uh, I'll tickle you a little bit while we're doing the show today. You tickle me, I slap you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how many of you have daughters like that? Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome back to Woods and Water. Thanks for taking time out of your Saturday to be here. And, uh... I want to introduce our next guest. He is uh, retired retire from the Department of Natural Resources. I understand he's been making something called a turkey call since like the 80s, Taylor. What's a turkey call, Dad? I don't know a turkey call. <laughs> I have a couple up there. They've got lots of dust on them. Uh, they were gifts. Uh, but Daryl Stubbs, he, uh, man, if, if you don't know about Stubbs turkey calls, you're going to get an education. Hopefully, if you're a beginning turkey hunter or maybe even a veteran turkey hunter, you're going to get a few... Uh, going to get something out of today's show, and uh, turkey season is upon us. And, Daryl, thanks for taking a little bit of your time and being on Woods and Water, South Carolina. Absolutely. Um, Daryl Stubbs, I'm 66 years old. Uh, I retired um, after 31 years with Department of Natural Resources and Wildlife Biologists. Um, I've been in the call-making business for approximately four years now. Um, 
primarily because I wanted to kill a turkey with a call that I made myself. <laughs> and have you done that? Uh, several times <laughs> over, sir. It's uh, been quite an enjoyable experience. Um, once I started making the calls, and I had people that had heard them and heard about me and started wanting to buy them from me. My intentions were to just make them for myself, but sure. um, it, it turned into uh, uh, quite a, I won't say lucrative business, but a very interesting business. I'm sure. I've, I bet you meet meet and talk to a lot of people, just just like on this side. I, you know, I meet and talk to a lot of people, and I'm sure turkey calls are the same way. It, it's yes. it's it's uh, life is rich, isn't it? It is, sir. <laughs> Absolutely rich. Well, I'm gonna probably ask you the most basic question you have been asked a lot in your life, and that is, why do you love turkey hunting so much? It's I deer hunt and a turkey hunt. I do a good bit of hog hunting and trapping too, but the interaction deer hunting to me is you put bait on the ground or you hunt trails and stuff and. And you basically wait for a deer to walk by you at some point. The interaction with the game, when you actually call them, get them to respond, and then come to you and be able to harvest that animal is is uh, is is what has got me hooked on it, so to speak. If you don't, if your heart doesn't about beat out of your chest, if you've got a gobbler gobbling 20 yards from you a big old long beard and is in full strut or whatever um if that doesn't get your heart rate going i don't know what will <laughs> check your pulse huh <laughs> that's it buddy and to do and to do that with a call that i have made myself adds a level of enjoyment to it also okay. i can imagine i can imagine speaking of calls i mean you talk about a lot of people that you've met and all the calls you made. I understand you got quite a collection of calls. I do. I've I've been very fortunate in my turkey hunting career to to touch base with some of the best in the nation. Um, friends all over the country. Marlon Watkins in Ohio has been a great mentor to me. He makes a fantastic call. Um, but here in South Carolina, you've got some of the greatest call makers in the nation. Uh, Steve Mann, Irving Witt, T.J. Johnson. T.J. Johnson used to be play football for South Carolina and was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. Marlon Watkins kind of took him under his wing, and, and T.J. is making calls that have won the national competitions here wow. through the NWTF. But I do, I have a, I have well over 300 turkey calls that I'm sitting here that I'm looking at while I'm talking to you. Any, any one of them just stand out to you? Uh, I'm, I'm a Marlon Watkins fan. Um, he makes a long box that, that they're probably, tur- they're probably five different turkeys in one of his, one of his long boxes that I use. They'll, they'll kinky run, they'll yelp, they'll purr, they'll gobbler yelp, and they will gobble also. Um, it's, uh, if you know what to do with it, it's a remarkable, I t- I tell them it's a um, functional piece of art is what I call them, um, and they are. They it, it works fantastic, but there are some some quality people here in South Carolina. Mr. Zach Farmer, who was a Methodist minister, making trumpets. Mark Prudhomme up in Georgetown makes trumpets. Um, but but quality guys right here in South Carolina as far as call making, sir. Wow. 
And I guess, you know, Taylor, I'm sitting here looking at, at my one collectible duck call over there that I'd never take duck hunting because I'm afraid to drop it in the water. <laughs> and Lucy, you don't have that problem with turkey calls. No, you Except don't. Except if you leave it, if you're chasing a bird and you leave it somewhere, that could be a problem. Um, I, so I you, lost a call two years ago now that I had killed well over 35 gobblers oh, with no. in the Francis Marion Forest. I went back and looked for it three different times because it was a special call to me, but but I never found it, and I I haven't found one that quite duplicates the sound from that turkey call yet. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, Francis Marion's kind of a big place if y'all haven't been down there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's okay. I lost a pair of sunglasses the other day like that, and I know exactly where I uh-huh. was. I, I, spent, found them. I still haven't found them. Yeah, I spent, I spent an hour and a half walking less than a mile the other day. It still couldn't find those stupid sunglasses. So <laughs> I hate that for the call. I, I can only yeah. imagine. I can only yeah. imagine. Well, yeah. you've been making calls since 1980, right? No, I've actually, I made probably starting probably 10 or 15 years ago, I started making huh. my own diaphragm calls. Okay. Mouth call right. That, that are great because. Your hands are free. There's no movement and stuff. And that's the thing with turkeys. Their eyesight and their hearing are their two major defenses, so to speak. Their eyesight is unbelievably good. But anyway, um, I've made, and I've killed lots of birds with my own diaphragm calls, but but I've been making pot calls, little friction calls, for a little over four years now. Okay. I, I started turkey hunting. Probably in 1979, I went three or four times, but then in 1980, I went about five times, and I killed my first turkey by myself in the Francis Mary National Forest. Okay. That's where I got that from. Sorry about that, Taylor. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> turkey hunting since 1980, not making calls since uh, 1980. Okay, yeah. Correct. So, well, to, I'm sorry. <laughs> excuse me. I'll get out of your way. <laughs> to make a turkey call. What kind of tools do you have to use for that? To make a pot call, I have a wood lathe. I have a small um, drill press, a small bandsaw, and that's pretty much it. Um, I, you Generally, for the pot calls that I make, I start off basically with a 4-by-4-inch four four square of wood, 1-inch um, thick. Okay. And I will, I will drill the holes that are used in the call. Then I'll kind of round it off a little bit, and then I stick it on my lathe and I turn it to round. In that pot call, if you didn't have the top on it, you would be looking. There is a pedestal that's inside that call that the soundboard sits on, and then the playing surface sits above where the soundboard is. So you actually have two surfaces in there. Huh. Um, I have the thing that I did to my calls is a little different than a lot of calls you see. The hole in the bottom of the calls lets the sound out and everything. Anything you do to that call is going to make a difference to the to the acoustics of it. Okay. But I have made a hole big enough in the bottom of the call that you can actually play the bottom of the soundboard. And generally what I do is I, if I have a slate um, playing surface, I will have either aluminum or a glass soundboard in it. So it's kind of like you're getting two calls in one because the different 
different surfaces will sound different sure. when you play it. Yeah. Wow, I never thought about playing this. The, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Now, does it? And we got, yeah, we got about uh, about three minutes left in a second. So we got a little time. Okay. What uh, playing the bo- uh, the top versus the bottom? Explain mm-hmm. that just a bit. It's um. The, the top surface is what I would call your primary surface. Anyway, there's generally on a pot call, there is a spot somewhere on that top that they call the sweet spot. That okay. It sounds better than any other place on that call. Um, one of these call makers, when I first started this, I made a bunch of calls, and I sent him three, and I said, tell me what you think of them. I said, I don't care. I want you to be honest with me because I want to turn out a quality product. Okay. Well, he was honest with me. <laughs> and he told me, he said, Daryl, the call sounds good out towards the edge, but it gets dead once you get toward the center of the call. Okay. So I redid three more, and I sent them to him. He said, those are better, but they're not quite there. So I kept on, and I, I looked at some things on some other calls, and I figured out something that worked for me. And it's been pretty consistent as far as that from that point on. But it did. Another call maker that's very famous here in South Carolina, I'm not going to say his name. Okay. Uh, he helped me out, and he's he's been a good friend of mine for years. Wow. And yeah. that, that little bit of variety, I guess, when you're calling a turkey and he hears a different sound coming out, I guess yeah. he gets even more interested in the first time around. That's correct. The um, aluminum surface has got a little bit higher pitch to it. Okay. That sometimes will make a turkey gobble when nothing else will. Your standard call, when they first made it, started making pot calls, a slate call was pretty much what they made as far as a pot call. Right. But they've got glass and ceramics and crystal, all different surfaces for these calls now. And if, and if you're going to make in your pot call, what is your go-to surface? My go-to surface is either going to be a slate top with aluminum soundboard or an aluminum, uh, aluminum top with a slate soundboard. Uh, I like that aluminum because it's got that higher pitch to it to me. Um, but I, I, there's going to be a slate in there someplace. Those are my two favorite surfaces. I do make some glass calls with a slate um, soundboard on them. Um, but, but those are kind of what I stick to because they've worked great for me. <laughs> and I guess I guess we won't start it because we're fixing to go on a break, but I guess – you make those calls because somebody asks you, can you put a glass top on it? Correct. They'll, I will. Generally what I like to do is I like to have the person come over and play the call so they can pick one out. But there are numerous times that people have gotten in touch and they said, I want a slate call. So I'll go through what I've got, pick out what I think is the best at that particular time, and I'll send them that call is what happens. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all hang on. We'll be back with Daryl Stubbs and more about turkey season. Sounds like a turkey call, doesn't it? No, it does not. It doesn't? No. You sure? No. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've got lots of different Bad. little things going on there. Bad. <laughs> just, just don't make but it I'm sound sure, any more dumb than I'm we actually sure are. I'm sure turkey calls to a turkey hunter are music. Would you say that, Daryl? Would you say a good a guy on a turkey call who really knows how to make it 
work yeah. is music. That would be a that would be a good. You you've got people. I mean, I don't I don't want to sound. <laughs> I can take one of my pot calls and put it in the hands of somebody that knows how to run a pot call, uh-huh. and it's it's like magic. Um, the noises that come out of there. Then I can take somebody and um, put like it us. in a, a different person's <laughs> hand, and it doesn't sound worth a darn. And really, it's just technique and stuff. But yeah. That's the thing with a pot call. It call. I think I've called it the angle of the dangle. The way the striker meets the surface of that pot call is very important um, to getting the correct sound out of it. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. And that would be me, the guy that just sounds <laughs> awful. I can't uh, – strikers. And, of course, I probably I, – I don't know what kind of call I got up there. It's in the closet right over there. Um, you got three calls. Yeah, but one of them's an owl hooter and one of them's a – um, One of them's an old frick. Uh, it's a, it's a box call with a, it's a kiwi game call. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Old kiwi yeah. box game call box call. I like that you one. You know, with the spring on it and the slate in the bottom. Yeah. Um, and I got a cheap pot call up there that's a, like a hunter specialty or something like that. That's mm-hmm. got a couple of mouth calls. That's probably why I've never killed turkey. Well, I have killed. It's <laughs> probably why others have run. <laughs> The other way as fast as they could. <laughs> uh, all, all hunting, when you hunt or when you fish, you got stories, and I'm sure you got a bunch. And I, uh, everybody likes a good story, and uh, I'm sure you got a couple. What, give us a give us a turkey hunting story. Probably, probably the best one is um, my father. Um, we grew up in I grew up in Sherall in Chesterfield County. And Chesterfield and Marlboro County were the last two counties in South Carolina for the turkey season to open back up. Okay. And I I had killed a good many birds down here in the Francis Marion and, and went up there and I probably tried for ten years to get a turkey in front of my father. His eyesight was not good, his hearing was not good, and we had a friend that had 400 acres, 400, I think it's 400 acres on the big PD River in Marlboro County. And one morning we went into the Sand Hill State Forest. I right. called up a bird and my brother-in-law shot and killed that bird. And then my father said about 1030, he says, we got to go over to Jim's farm. I said, why is that? He said, my turkey's going to be in that field at 1030. I said, okay. <laughs> So we packed up, got a cup of coffee, rode over there. I walked down this road. He said, go on down there. said, if those turkeys are in that field and you can kill one of them, go ahead and shoot him. So I eased down that road, and sure enough, there were two jakes, a long beard, and like two hens in there. <clears throat> so I could have killed that, that long beard right there, but I said, no, this is, you know, I waited till they eased out of the field. Then I got my father. We got him in there. He'd already set up a little little blind got him behind there i started calling and about 20 minutes later up over the edge of this kind of bank there walks out that gobbler in full strut we had some decoys out he walked up to about 23 yards and my father shot and killed him right there and that that probably one of the highlights of of all of my hunting career not just turkey hunting um he was happy i was happy i think i probably shed a few tears but Oh, over bet. that one, but uh, my brother-in-law, I don't know if it was that morning or not. I've only seen or heard about two wild turkeys being tagged with a band on their leg. Huh. I called up one from my brother Keith Smith there in Sherall, 
and he shot and killed it, and it had a band on his leg. Mm. He'd been banded as a Jake a year and a half before that. Had a nice ten and three quarter inch beard, and probably weighed around eighteen pounds or so. That was a that was another good memory there too. Now, who who was the band from? Was it National Wild Turkey Federation it was, uh, band? DNR. It was, it was SCDNR. Oh so wow! Yep. And and I'm sure you got more. So you, we talk about it. you've killed a couple of grand slams and. Yep, I've been all over the over the United States, um, South Dakota, killing uh, Miriams, which I think is probably the prettiest bird. They got a lot of white on their tail and stuff. Um, New York, Ohio, go to Florida because Florida is the only place that you can kill Osceola. Right. Yep. Uh, went to Texas and shot two Rios, but that was a very memorial, uh, great hunt there too, because that was the last bird I needed for a Grand Slam, and. Uh, had a wonderful time there, but uh, been fortunate um, to to be able to do that. I never thought uh, when I started turkey hunting that I would ever kill a Grand Slam, and I've got two now. What um, do turkeys, I mean, when you talk about going to New York, and you're talking about Ohio and Texas right. and Florida and South Dakota, yeah. do turkeys kind of all act the same? I mean, it, different species, granted, but do they all, you, you hunt them and you call them kind of the same way? Kinda, kinda in a way. There's a little difference in the in the sound of the gobble, I think, between them. Um, if you can kill, if you can kill turkeys in the Francis Marion National <laughs> Forest on a fairly regular basis, yeah, you can kill turkeys anywhere in the United States. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Um, I, I've told people that all these guys that are on TV shooting all these turkeys and stuff. Um, <laughs> A lot of them boys that come to the Francis Marion, they'd be gone home in three days with a tail <laughs> on the leg. And that's no lie. Those birds up there get pressured. Yeah. Um, but that's what I generally do for myself is I'll kill a bird or two on private land or something, but then I'll save me a bird to go into Francis Marion to still make make sure that I've still got it, so to speak. Yeah. And that's, that's a true test. It really is. You know, it's and that goes hand in hand with I'm, uh, Grant Woods and I've been friends for a long, long time, and and he's often told me he says, buddy, he says, if you can kill a deer in South Carolina, and all that thick, you yeah. know, wood and shrub and all that, right. if you yeah. get anywhere out west of the Mississippi River, you're gonna look like you know what you're doing out there, <laughs> because yeah. it, to to kill a good deer here in, in the southeast and all the thick and all the stuff we got to put up with. Once you get out there in that wide open space, he said, it's, you guys just, Easy y'all time. look like rock stars out there. That's right. <laughs> so go right along with turkey season. That's it. Uh, gosh, Taylor, we only got like three minutes left in this segment <laughs> already. We're going to have to quit telling people we've got an extra segment. I know. We'd move a little faster. Uh, but let's, <laughs> Daryl, in, in three minutes, let's talk about wood. Because I, when I look at your Facebook posts and all, and all, you use a lot of different wood. So, what 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 kind of woods do you use, and then what's kind of your favorite? What makes the best I, sound? Do you think? I um I use a lot of oak. I mean, it doesn't sound that exotic or anything, but I get a lot of quarter sawn oak, so it does have some pretty to it too. Sure. But it's very dense wood, very hard wood. The acoustics that come out of that hard wood make a great call. I mean, I use cedar. I've got purple heart. I've got canary wood. Kind of all depends on what, you know, some people want a, a pretty call too. Sure. But I'll tell you this, out there on my shelf right now, I've got 30, 
plus calls sitting there on one shelf that will never leave that workshop. If I put a call together, regardless of what the wood is, and I get it all glued up and set up and ready to play it with a striker, if I touch it with that striker and I cannot get a turkey to come out of that call, that <laughs> call is never going to leave that shop. Um, and and we, we were talking about, I've made, every now and then you'll make a call that, is far superior, and I made like five or six of them. Okay. You'll make a call that for whatever reason has got it, so to speak. Uh-huh. Uh, um, and a good friend of mine, Scott Basher, has got one of those calls. It's a hickory pot with an aluminum top and a slate soundboard to it. That call is unbelievable. Um, he tried to get me to to enter a call in the national call making competition. I told him, "No way that I'm doing that, sir." But anyway, <laughs> uh, that particular call, and there are others out there too. Sure. And again, it relates right back to the person playing the yeah, call. I'm sure that's striker true. too. I know strikers. There's a kind of wood that they might call diamond wood. I I generally buy the pieces for my striker from the place that I get my slate and glass and all those other supplies from okay, and put it together because I have not been able to make a striker that is as consistent as that diamond wood striker is. Okay. Um, that, to me, I can, I can turn a, a striker out there on my lathe and it'll sound good, but as far as consistency and sounding great every time, it's hard to beat that diamond wood striker. That's a Daryl Stubbs quality control right there, Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm not, that goes right back to those calls that are sitting on that shelf out there. The only thing that's going to happen to those is I'm going to destroy them and save <laughs> some of the materials in them. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, it, real quick, in like 15 seconds, is diamond wood, is it just that dense? Is it just that different from other wood? It's a kind of a laminated-looking thing, and I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's the segments in there that make it that good. But it is consistently a great striker. Huh. Interesting, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. But yeah, Daryl Stubbs called it control. If he can't make it sound like a turkey, you can't either. <laughs> 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 All right, well, folks. Uh... We're having a good time. I hope you are, too. We're going to get into, now we've covered all the calls, we're going to get a little bit, bit of turkey hunting for you. So hang on. Into the next segment with more Woods and Water, South Carolina. Doobie Brothers are worth more than just the uh, intro of the show. Are they? I love their music. Good. Good stuff. Yeah. Huh? It is. Yeah, 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 it is. And speaking of music, we're uh, we're back with Daryl Stubbs. We talked about last segment about turkey calling being music, and mm-hmm. I had Daryl get a get a, one of his pot calls after, and he's gonna he's gonna play it for a few minutes. So y'all hang on. I asked Daryl if you would. Yeah, you know, play one of your calls and then tell us what you did, and then I, and then um, I want you to do the top versus the bottom, and, and all right. so we can do. It. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna let you go for a few seconds. You run it, and then we'll get back into the other stuff. Sure. This is a, a sycamore pot call of spalled sycamore. The top of this call is aluminum, 
And it's, um... That's an aluminum top, and then in the bottom of this call, I have a slate soundboard. Okay. But that's a aluminum top, slate soundboard, a hole in the bottom big enough. Two years ago, I killed five different gobblers with this call. I killed three for myself and called up two for friends. <coughs> and you're... And you're simply using what a hen would sound like? Yes. Those main, those calls start with a, basically a yelp. Okay. Is, it'll cluck. Yelp and cluck and purr. If you can do those three calls on a pot call, that's all you need to know how to do. All right. Taylor, that answers a lot of questions we had coming yeah, up those. here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's using one of those diamond wood strikers okay. I was talking about earlier. Today. Okay. All right. Hmm. Sounded pretty good. Yeah, it does. I'd gobble. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. What? Well, Okay. You know, I don't know if we need to go there, Taylor. I don't think we need to go there either. I don't think we need to go there either. I guess one thing one thing it would be is, you know, what should turkeys do more of when they're getting ready for turkey season? I mean, I know a lot turkeys, of them. Turkeys or turkey, turkey hunters? hunters? I'm sorry. What do turkey <laughs> hunters do? Uh, if, what should the turkeys thing to do is you, you look for sign where turkeys have been. They scratch the ground looking for feed. Okay. <clears throat> You'll see scratching there. You'll see turkey poop. You can actually tell what has pooped if, <laughs> if you know what to look at, whether it's a jake, whether it's a gobbler, whether it's a hen. Um, but looking for scratching and stuff, that tells you the birds are in the area. Okay. Um, this morning, I went out to John's Island, a small piece of private property that that I'm allowed to hunt. I've had cameras set up there since January, since right after deer season went out. The man's nice enough to let me turkey hunt. And if there's anybody out there that wants an old 66-year-old man to come hunt their turkey property, just let me know. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> I went this morning. Generally, first thing in the morning, a turkey will gobble before they come off of the roost. Okay. So I was there this morning listening for turkeys to gobble. Through my cameras, I know there's at least seven Longbeards and ten Jakes on that property, and I did not hear a single bird this morning. That could have a lot to do with the weather and stuff. Right. Um, but anyway, um, I use. I also make, in addition to pot calls, I make owl hooters ah. and crow calls. Uh, in addition, those are locator calls for right. turkey because a turkey wants to be the, the loudest thing in the woods. Uh, first thing in the morning, especially. But you use an owl hooter first thing in the morning, later on up in the day, a crow call. And when you blow that crow call, you want to blow it like you're going to blow the end out of that call. I mean, lots, get real aggressive with it. Okay. Um, but that's, that's the way to find out where they are. Um, go in and set up on them after you, after you figure out where they are like that. Um, but scratching is, is one of the main things early in the morning, figuring out 
where they are through their gobbling and stuff. Um, and patience is probably the biggest virtue you can have turkey hunting. Um, 99% of the people that turkey hunt, 9 o'clock in the morning, they're going to be out of the woods and gone. That doesn't matter whether you're hunting Francis Marion or public land. I mean private land. Yeah. Um, that's just the way it is. But I'll tell you this. Last year, I got to watch five gobblers die here in South Carolina. The first one that was killed as far as time-wise was 1120. It was one at 1140, one at 1240, and one as late as 240 in the afternoon. Wow. Um, that's, that's sticking with it because, um, that's a lot of time without hearing the, that first one, 1120, a gentleman that was assistant manager in the store where I work at, Palmetto uh-huh. State Armory, um, had never been turkey hunting in his life. I said, we're going to get in this pop-up blind here at six o'clock and we're not going to leave until at least noon or you kill a turkey. We did <laughs> not hear a peep until 1120. And we killed that bird about 10 minutes after that. He gobbled back at me. I called at 1120. He gobbled to me. I waited about five minutes, called to him again. He double gobbled at me, and he was dead two minutes after that. Hmm. So now the whole morning you were in there, did you call a little bit along? Absolutely. When I do that, when I'm blind calling like that, I'll call every 20 to 40 minutes. Okay. I'll run a series of yelps and throw some clucks in there at the end is what I'll do. Then I'll put the call down. I may play with my phone. I've read a lot of books in turkey blind. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that's what I do. I got me a comfortable seat yeah. uh, and uh, sit there. And if I know the turkey's on the property, which there are, um, like this morning, didn't hear a single bird, but I know there's seven different longbeards at least on that piece of property. So uh, come next Tuesday, I'm going to be on that piece of property, and uh, <laughs> I may be there from 6 o'clock in the morning till 6 p.m., but, <laughs> but I know the birds are there. It's just putting the time in and being patient. Patience, patience, patience. Nice I can't patience. strive that enough. If you've got a little bit of calling ability, you're a good woodsman, and you're patient, you're going to kill turkeys. You can be the best caller in the world and be impatient, and you may never kill a turkey. Um, that's that's just what I've observed. Well, we got about uh, three minutes, three and a half minutes to go, Taylor. Um, have at it. Okay. <laughs> well, turkey population. Now we talked about earlier in the show. We don't see many around here where we're from and where we hunt, but I know a lot of people around are seeing a lack of turkeys. So. What do you think are some of the reasons for the decline in numbers of turkeys? Um, a number of things. Predators, for one, everything in the world eats eggs. Snakes, hogs, coons, possums, foxes, all of those things. If you've got a piece of private property and you're able to trap, it would be my suggestion to you, if you want to increase your turkey population greatly, is to do some trapping and get – there are raccoons. There's so many raccoons in South Carolina, it's just unbelievable. Um, how are there any birds in South Carolina? I don't know with all the raccoons and possums <laughs> and stuff, but but uh everything eats eggs. Um, the other thing I would say, and I know it's been brought up, technology has advanced so far from when I oh, first yeah. started. I, I I used to kill I probably killed more turkeys with a Remington eleven hundred 
It had a 28-inch plain barrel, plain yep. modified barrel on it mm-hmm. with high brass number sixes than most of these guys will ever kill in their life. Um, but now you've got these guns, specialized turkey guns with the special choke tubes, the special shot, um, strutting gobbler decoys and stuff. And I'm not against anybody using any of that stuff to kill a turkey with. That's, you do what you want to do, and if you're successful, that's great. Um, and don't come back to me and, and the fact that I'm going to go sit in a pop-up blind next Tuesday, a guy that just went through an AFib <laughs> incident here, I'm lucky to be able to go sit in that pop-up sure. blind. Sure. Um, and, and, uh, and I still love it, enjoy it. I still run and gun some too, but, but, um, technology has probably put as big a hurt on the turkey population as anything, I would think. But if you can do, uh, popular, you know, predator control on your p- private property, I would highly suggest that. The other thing, I know you mentioned something about fire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think fire is a great wildlife tool if it's done correctly. And with that, I, I, I've cut my teeth into Francis Marion. Right. Um, burning up there in May and June when you've got hen turkeys sitting on this yeah. and deer have dropped their fawns and stuff and they do those helicopter burns. I think that's a travesty. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I know, and it's got to have the weather right to do fire and I understand that and everything, but, but to be roasting turkeys on the nest and then complaining about the drop in turkey population from the same group that is supposed to be looking out for all this stuff is it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, so to speak. So, so a good turkey burn is done February, March. That's what, yeah. Before those hens get on the nest and stuff, and that's the other thing that this camera that I was talking about using cameras yeah. for too. Um, the birds are still pretty much grouped up right now. What you'll start seeing is on those cameras, you'll start seeing birds strutting and stuff as they're getting to that point that they break up and start breeding and stuff. And from what I've seen, it's almost that time. I'm seeing some few strutting birds, but not a lot. They aren't fighting. They aren't chasing and stuff. Um, but it's getting close. It's getting close. Yeah. Just like the season's close. Next week you'll be out there. Um, I, should, I sure will be. <laughs> got about 30 seconds, and I'm sure you won't take this on, but thank you for being on the show with us. We really appreciate your time, your expertise, and everything we talked to. If somebody wants to buy or see one of your calls, how do they get a hold of you? Um, I'm on Facebook with Daryl Stubb, D-A-R-Y-L. S-T-U-B-B-S. I also have Stubbs, Stubbs Game Calls on Facebook. It'll have all the contact information there. I've tried to keep my calls. Most of my calls are going to be $45 with a striker. Okay. If I ship it to you, there's going to be like $7, so you're looking at $52. Okay. I've tried to keep it somewhere reasonable so that you could get a quality call without spending too much money. <laughs> um, and um, it's... There were 34 gobblers that I got pictures of killed in South Carolina. Oh, we actually killed across the nation, too. Wow. And I know of seven others last year. So it was over 40 birds killed my calls last year. Good enough. Got to go. Back with more Woods and Water South Carolina next week. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.